Welcome once again to Cinemaholics. He is a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend. He also reviews films for The Playlist, Cutburn Film, and of course, Cinemaholics.com. It is Will Ashen. Hey, John. How you doing? Pretty good, Will. Happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to you as well. I am the author of the novel Killer Joy, a book about Pixar called The Pixar Theory, and I write about film for Adam Tickets, the young folks in Cinemaholics. I am Johnny Groney. And guess what, Will? We have not one, but two special guests this week to help us ring oh, wow. in the summer movie season. And this is a Cinemaholics first because both of these guests are staff writers for Cinemaholics.com, which means this is our first ever show where the whole gang of writers is together. I guess you would call it a Cinemaholics writers room episode mm. and introduce them. First up, you've heard his voice on this show many a time. He's our Movie of the Week columnist and a regular fixture on our spinoff series, Extra Milestone. Welcome back to Cinemaholics, Sam Noland. Thank you for having me back. I love the way this is going already. Uh, it's it's delightful to to as always to return. Right, to all the, yes, yes, it's going super well for me too. Okay, last <laughs> but we promise not least, she heads up our streaming reviews on Cinemaholics. Plus, she has bylines all across the film industry, including Film School Rejects, The Playlist, Polygon, Vegas Dodges, and too many other outlets to count without getting exhausted. It is Julia Tatey. It is me. Hi. Welcome back, Julie. It's been a while. We we had you on for our If Bell Street Could Talk episode, which was months ago. Months ago. I'm so glad to be back. And you're back for a packed episode because we are going to be discussing and illuminating some of the biggest films and some hidden gems we're looking forward to between now and Labor Day. So you can find more episodes of Cinemaholics on adamtickets.com, as well as our full archive on cinemaholics.com. You can write into the show anytime by sending us an email, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com, especially send it if it is passive-aggressive. Those are our favorites. You can support <laughs> us directly, of course, by becoming one of our monthly patrons on patreon.com slash cinemaholics, which is a nice little lead-in into our off-topics, because first up, our latest extra milestone is about to come out. We talked about Seven Samurai. And if you are a patron, you're going to be getting that episode very soon, pretty pretty soon to when you're probably going to hear this episode for the first time. But Sam Noland, what if someone's never heard of Extra Miles? What if they've never heard of Seven Samurai? Can, can you explain what both of those things are for our listeners? Well, the Extra Milestone series is something we've started doing on Smallholics, uh, and starting in uh, February of this year, uh, where every month we take a look at all the films that are celebrating big anniversaries uh, uh, that are typically in like uh, multiples of five year anniversaries. And uh, we're looking at a lot of the classics. So we're using this opportunity to sort of explore the uh, foundations of cinema. And it's been an utter delight so far. Uh, I could see myself doing this for the rest of my life. And so Seven Samurai <laughs> is a, uh, is a uh, one, the very best movies ever made, uh, according to pretty much anyone who's seen it. It is Akira Kurosawa's samurai epic from 1954, which is sort of the definitive samurai movie. So uh, we had a wonderful time talking about that, and I think you'll really enjoy listening to that episode. That's right. You'll be able to hear myself, you, Sam Noland, and of course, Will Ashen talking about Seven Samurai early if you're a patron, and then we'll be releasing that for all of our listeners later in the month. And hopefully, Julia, we can get you on to an extra milestone one of these days. I feel like there's a lot of milestones just who, that you would love to talk about, right? Oh, yes. absolutely. We'll get there eventually. But okay, enough of the, the fun and games. We have some serious off topics <laughs> to get to. Absolutely serious business. 
the past few weeks, they've been kind of dramatic in terms of icebreaker questions that we had for our guests weeks ago. If you don't know the full story, I don't have time to explain it. But basically, one of our listeners formally requested that Will Ashton reveal his Hogwarts house to the Cinemaholics community because... Up until that point, Will had never taken the test on Pottermore. If you've never heard of this, of course, Hogwarts is the magical school of the Harry Potter novels and films, and your sorting house is basically your personality type. Now, in past episodes of Cinemaholics, I have, of course, revealed that I am a Slytherin. I don't care what any new test that Julia Tatey sends to our group <laughs> chat set, tries to tell me who I am, because it, it's absolutely <laughs> false. But, uh, Julia, you, you've expressed uh, off the air what your Hogwarts house is, we already know, but what, what, tell our listeners, what, what is your Hogwarts house? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, wonderful guests, my Hogwarts house is Ravenclaw. Mm. Yes. Which basically means you're, <laughs> you're either extremely wise or you are going to be extreme, like you're trying to become extremely wise. I, I'd like to think that I'm halfway there. It's mm. always an uphill battle, but... I'm yes, my house is Ravenclaw. I highly identify with uh, many of the characters who were in Ravenclaw's house, particularly the wonderful Luna Lovegood. Mm. So yeah, it's very, a it's a great, it's a great place to be. I welcome all fellow Ravenclaws to join me in the house <laughs> reading books. <laughs> Well, perhaps there might be one or two other Ravenclaws in this very podcast, but we don't know because this is going to be a surprise for all of us what Will and Sam are because both of them took this test for the first time very quickly. We'll start with Sam. Will, we got to do Will for last because that's the sure. event. Uh, sorry, Sam. But... <laughs> that's okay. No, no, no. Don't worry about it. Sorry. It's the momentum has been building up to this. But Sam, you know, you just took the test. Absolutely. What What did it say about you? I took the test. Uh, I was surprised at some of the questions. I'm like, I was like, I don't know how this relates to magic exactly, but uh, <laughs> I answered them truthfully, and I had a lot of fun doing it. And at the end of the day, uh, the result that the Pottermore website gave me after taking this extensive quiz is, drumroll please, mm -hmm. Gryffindor. Oh, we knew it. Yeah. I guessed it. I guessed it. Oh. That's right. Gonna, <laughs> you were both gonna, so sure. I am so wise. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Is, so I, I didn't get a chance to look at the thing. What? What does that mean? What does Gryffindor signify? Because I know a lot of the principal characters of the uh, stories. Have it means been... okay. So your friends, you're a Muggle lover. Um, sure. <laughs> you all you care about is glory, and you'll yep. you'll cheat and take advantage of other people just to be praised That's... and gratified. Okay, Slytherin, calm down. <laughs> okay, thank I was like, is that John making something up? Because I'm not, I don't know how I feel about it. Oh, I have the official uh, saying for Gryffindor. You might belong yes. in Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart, their daring, nerve, and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. Welcome. Hmm, I like that a lot better. Thank you. <laughs> thank You're very chivalrous, sure, Sam. Thank you. That's, that's good to hear. That's very uh, encouraging. <laughs> Okay, but then we get to Will Ashton. It's oh, yes. time. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. Are you guys nervous? I'm nervous. Will, what did you get? Well, John, I got to say, it was the damnedest thing. Um, I, I did the whole rigor mum roll, the big test. Um, all, like Sam mentioned, all the big questions. Uh, I had to do it twice for some reason. It kept like perverting me back to uh, the beginning. But eventually I got to this like formal scroll 
that informed me that the fourth episode of A Ogre Till It's Ogre is now live where uh, <laughs> we did our official roommate episode. Oh, and uh, we watched Garfield the movie and uh, we had two roommates hash it out and learn to love each other. But uh, enough about self-promotion. I guess you guys uh, really want to know what they actually so got. shameless. Yes. <laughs> well, you didn't t- give me a time to promote game it. Recogni- so I wanted to... Game recognized game. Uh, you Okay. All right. So um, I got to make sure I say this right, because I guess uh, my regional dialect might come out if I say it. Uh, but it's Huffin or Hufflepuff. What? Oh, no. <laughs> really? <laughs> we have oh. every house represented by the Cinemaholics. That's I gotta, amazing. I got to say, <laughs> I've come to really like Hufflepuffs over the years. I, I really Huff respect them. Great. They're just, yeah, I wish I was a Hufflepuff sometimes. In my lowest moments. <laughs> Do we have the official description for Hufflepuff? Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. Just give me a second. How do you feel about this, Will? Or do you feel relieved? Do you finally know uh, the truth about yourself? It's different. I don't have the official saying for it, but I do have that Hufflepuffs value hard work, patience, loyalty, and fair play. Hmm. Uh. That's right. Yeah. I like Hufflepuffs because they aren't glory seekers like Gryffindors, but um, yeah. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> taken a little far. It's okay. My my house is very evil, so we take it all the time. Yeah, all villains oh, are Slytherin. Is that a coincidence? Not all of the villains. Peter Pettigrew was a Gryffindor. Let's just calm down a little bit. Oh, yeah. Wormtail, right? Will, I have your house's official saying, which is, you might belong in Hufflepuff, where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Hmm. Are you, are you a hard worker. toil? <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're interrogating you a little bit, so let's move on. Uh, okay, so wrapping up off topics, we, we got to, of course, say Avengers Endgame is coming out next week. Not really part of our summer movie preview since it's about to come out. It's kind of what is kicking off the summer, so not necessarily a film we're anticipating in that way. But we'll be talking about that on next week's show. But out this week, there are we, we saw most of the new releases. So I saw Breakthrough, which I talked about on a previous episode. Didn't love it. But Sam and Will, you both saw Curse of La Llorona, or apparently some call it La Llorona, which, okay. Um, Julia, are you planning to check this one out or off your Um, radar? I actually haven't been as involved with the um, series that this film is a part of. It's a part of the Conjuring series, correct? Yeah, yeah, I haven't been as involved with that series and it hasn't the spooks haven't really uh been on my brand per se so and i also have a lot of uh fellow uh film critics who have not been as uh, heavily drawn to this film either so i may have to pass on this one i don't think you're alone on this show i haven't seen it either but i think sam and will i don't think either of you really connected with it either uh sam what did you think of curse of yadrona uh yeah if uh, if you're not convinced on the series so far this one will definitely not uh be the one to do so i think there are there are parts of it that sort of hint at maybe some vague level of quality but really it's just it's just too focused on following a really specific formula to ever uh become something really memorable i've already forgotten most of it and uh i i can't, I can't see myself ever looking back on it fondly yeah i'm 
personally, I'm kind of half and half on the Conjuring series. I like the Conjuring films, and I'm not really crazy about the Annabelle films. And uh, I didn't see the Nun, and so this one, it it just felt like a a whole bunch of nothing for me. It didn't really accomplish much of anything. As much as you uh, lament about horror films about grief, i.e., uh, Pet Cemetery from a couple weeks ago, I feel like at least those movies are about something. Whereas Curse of La Rona just felt like a studio mandate, like a film that the studio wanted to make in the Conjuring universe with no real purpose or not a lot of strong themes or identities or ideas in mind. So uh, for yeah. me, it just fell flat in that regard. And they could have made something good. There's material there, but I guess sure, we yeah. just weren't interested in it. It seems like more interested in creating the like intense, loud jump scares than anything else, which I'm fine with jump scares when they're used effectively. But if that's all you really have for your horror movie... Especially when you don't really ramp up the tensions effectively, you just like make a really loud sound. Those uh, bug me. So it, it hit a lot of my like bad check marks as far as horror movies are concerned. Yeah, I was gonna say too. I I think that the the stories of La Llorona are like decade, like sorry, I said decades, centuries and centuries <laughs> old. It goes back to like Aztec culture. So it's a big mythology that it is weird to me. There aren't that many movies about it. I think there's one from the '60s that I've never seen, but it's the same concept. And I hope they try it again, but with better, maybe somebody like Ari Aster, you know, like somebody who really wants to do something interesting with the mythology. But yeah. Knows. And so well, this is not the one. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing. I haven't seen it. But Sam, you wrote a review for it on Cinemaholics. Uh, listeners can read that. And Will, you got to interview Raymond Cruz, and that's on the website as well. How did that go? Yeah. Uh, it was all right. I, I, he was a very nice guy, so... It was nice to talk to him. I mostly know him as Tuco from Breaking Bad and Bear Call Saul, so I squeezed in a question about that at the end. Uh, I don't know if he was happy about that or not, but <laughs> I, I felt that was vital, and I'm glad I could do it. Yeah, definitely check that out. It was, it was a good conversation. I, I definitely got a lot out of it. Uh, also, Penguins came out from Disney Nature. I didn't see this one either, but did any of you see it? I'll take that as a no. <laughs> no, that's a resounding negative, Jonathan. Yes, I saw it think- at some point. Uh, I might I might choose it if uh, I don't get a ticket for Avengers Endgame next week. <laughs> You're really playing it close to the wire, apparently. Yeah, uh, oh. I'm seeing Avengers Endgame on Tuesday. Do you, oh, do you all have tickets? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you all have tickets, or are you all going to see it on uh, opening night, or what's the deal? I I got the last seat in the house Thursday night, so I want to I want to get it out of the way nice. in a, in a good way. What about you, Julia? Uh, I'm going to take my time on this one. I think uh, I love going to uh, see Marvel movies with a big audience. uh, But some of my better experiences have been when the theater is full, but doesn't feel cramped, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So I might give it a couple days before I head on out to the theater might stay off Twitter for a while. Yeah, that's it's hard. There's apparently spoilers running around. So be very careful. Uh, if you're Googling or looking up things about this movie, because I think the spoilers are going to be running rampant, especially next week. And uh, Will, you, are you seeing it next weekend? Uh, I'm going to aim for a Saturday matinee. Uh, roll the dice, see what happens. Nice. So, All right. Yeah. All right, Julia, you saw another movie that was uh, just came out on Netflix called Someone Great. You wrote a review for the site. But obviously, listeners are going to read that. But very briefly, what did you think of that one? Sure. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed this one. Um, There are some, I think, romantic comedies that try to have a nuanced take on the kind of uh, post breakup 
romantic comedy. And I really think that Jennifer Caton Robinson, who's the writer and director for the film and also created the series Sweet Vicious and is a writer for it as well, just really kind of nailed the um, uh, like the language and the relationships between professional millennial women kind of juggling these issues and these stresses of what it means to grow up, what it means to officially be an adult and kind of move into the next phase of your life. I laughed a lot and I was very surprised that I got emotional during parts of it. So I would definitely recommend it. It has a likable cast with uh, Brittany Snow, DeWanda DeWanda Wise, and Gina Rodriguez and Lakeith Stanfield. It's I, I just had a really fun time watching it and I would recommend it to anyone who's interested. If you're just staying in for the weekend and want to find something fun, lighthearted to watch on Netflix, I would definitely go for that. Someone great. Sounds great. I actually saw a comment on your review. I think somebody said that they were sold just by the idea of Gina Rodriguez and Lakeith Stanfield being in a couple, which uh, I can definitely understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're cuties in that movie. That that's a Netflix rom com, but there's another Netflix rom com that came out this weekend that I saw. I didn't review it, but I watched The Perfect Date mainly because I was baking, and I needed something to play in the background. And <laughs> there was Noah Centineo pulling off one of his relationship heists, as I like to call them. And The Perfect Date was very very middle of the road in terms of rom coms, but. It's that same kind of fit, right? It's like if you just really want like a, a solid rom-com, does everything you want it to, there's nothing subversive about it. There's nothing all that special about it. But when I'm baking, that's what I want. I just want Cookies. something playing that's going to make Cookies me happy. <laughs> Noah's and a saint. Snickerdoodles yeah. and cakes. Right. All those it, kinds of things. <laughs> special brownies, everything you can imagine. But yeah, I that's <laughs> that's Noah Centineo and uh, Matt Walsh is in that as well. So fun, fun little role there. I haven't seen him probably since Brigsby Bear. But all right, that's everything that is out this week. Now we can finally jump into some quick feedback for the main thrust of the show. Last week, we talked about Hellboy and Missing Link, High Life, Guava Island, a lot of films last week. And you all commented, not you all, but a bunch of you commented on the episode. So here are a couple of comments. Red Robin said, I've never seen any of the other Hellboy movies, so I saw this one blind. My brother who saw it with me had only watched the 2004 one. We both loved it. I liked how it was more true to the comics, and visually, I thought it was extremely unique in a good way. I would definitely recommend it to someone who is sick of the usual Marvel movies. What did you think of that, Will? I We both watched the new Hellboy, both as people mm-hmm. who really like the Guillermo del Toro ones. Uh, so what, yeah. what do you think? Do you think there's something to that? Uh, I mean, I didn't read the comics, so I won't pretend to know one way or the other how true it is to the film but um i don't really think i mean just besides having r-rated material i don't think it really escaped the marvel formula all that much as far as i can recall how about you john yeah yeah i i definitely i i get the idea of what red robin is saying it's like it's it is different but it does remind me of like the different of uh that family guy joke where she makes him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich that's like a like a fish on top of bread and it's like, Oh, I just thought it would be a little different than usual. You know, it's like kind of making fun of just cause it's different. doesn't mean it's better, but I, I definitely think there's something to that of like people getting something that's, that swings hard, even though it doesn't fully hit maybe also uh, LaRue said, I think you guys nailed, what didn't work with this movie. Talk about Hellboy. 
And the main problem really is Ian McShane. The guy is supposed to be the heart of the film and a character Hellboy should care about. But the performance is just absolutely phoned in and as flat as it gets, that's the main thing with this movie. The acting is so flat despite the visuals and action being so dynamic. It just doesn't flow. So I'm, I'm curious. Obviously, Will and I saw Hellboy, but Julia, Sam, did either of you see Hellboy? No, I but not. I kind of want to morbidly. Mm. <laughs> that's a good reason to see <laughs> morbid is a good word then if you're planning on seeing Hellboy do you plan on seeing it I'm Julia? A, oh, yeah. I'm a bit curious about it mostly because I'm a fan of uh, David Harbour's work uh, from Stranger Things and everything leading up to that and I'm also a really big fan of Sasha Lane who kind of had her uh, breakthrough with an Andre Andrea Arnold film not too long ago uh, American Honey Oh, so so I'd, I'd love to see uh, and support her in bigger films and bigger movies. Um, so maybe, who knows? Time will tell. All right. Uh, last, we have last. Beyblade. That's Bay, B-A-E. Beyblade wants to know, when are you all reviewing oh. her smell? Which I, I haven't oh. been able to see her smell. It hasn't been playing anywhere around here. Or I think it did very quickly and I missed it. But uh, yeah, our any of you able to see this one soon um i know it's coming to the theater where i work on may 3rd which is when i'm planning to see it all right well hopefully we'll have to talk about it on the show at some point if you're able to see it but yeah it's definitely on my radar as well i'm hearing great things i'm hearing it's it's yeah, really worth checking good. out all right well that'll do it for off topics let's get into our summer movie preview Summer movie preview, we do this every year. We outline our most anticipated films that are going to be coming out between the end of April and the end of August. So basically, it's a Labor Day. Each of us has selected three films, and we're going to briefly say what these films are, why we're looking forward to them. And it's not going to be necessarily in order of our most anticipated. It's going to be in the order of the release date. So my first film, for example, is before the other two films I'm going to talk about and so on. And then after that, we're going to uh, talk about our Dark Horse films. These are We've each picked three films that we think look bad, but we're hoping will surprise us. <laughs> and then we're going to each have, of course, three honorable mentions because we don't want to just talk about... We can't keep it that limited. So all in all, we're, we're discussing a lot of films. And at the very end of this, we will mention the notable wide releases that we didn't get to. And I think it is pretty funny how many that we don't... We just completely leave out, but... That tells you what we think of the summer season, I guess. But in general, I, I have to say, like after really going through this list, I am much more looking forward to the summer season than I originally thought I would be. I was looking at the slate when we were first putting the spreadsheet together, and I was like, man, there, there's just a lot of movies that don't look that interesting to me. But as I further inspected, I was like, no, actually, this could be a really good summer season. I, I feel like a few of these films are going to be definitely worth our time, but of course, time will tell. So let's start with, how about Sam? Sam, you mm, picked a film yes. that is tied with Wills for the, the earliest on all of our lists. So we'll start with you. What, what film did you pick that's coming out on May 24th? On May 24th, uh, there is going to be a science fiction space movie release called Ad Astra. Uh, and Which the has plot no trailer, by the way. No trailer. I kept looking for it, thinking I just yeah. couldn't. Find it. Turns out there isn't one. But yeah, I'm worried that, that the well? film might come out, might not come out that day because there is like no marketing for this film. But sorry, go ahead, Sam. Well, they got nothing to lose, so I guess anything could happen. Yeah. Uh, well, part of the problem yeah. is this is 20th Century Fox, and because of the merger, it is a little weird. But Disney is still distributing it, so 
Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're in control of everything as they say. So it's, it's at the whim of the mouse, um, so to speak. Uh, but the plot is basically that, uh, an astronaut played by Brad Pitt, uh, has to go on some sort of voyage to, uh, I think like the edge of the solar system or something. And to find his long lost father played by Tommy Lee Jones, uh, who is long thought dead, uh, and this is, you know, connected to some weird conspiracy stuff going on. And I don't read too much into the plot because, uh, just tell me that it's a movie in space and I'm sold. Uh, high life was great this year. So maybe this will be the next great year for uh, space movies. So not a whole lot to say about this one. It is directed by James Gray, who, uh, has yeah. directed a few notable movies. What's that? Yeah, I was going to say, we talked about his most recent film very early on in Cinemaholics, The Lost City of Zed. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, which I haven't seen, but it looks very interesting. Uh, and The Immigrant, which I saw a while ago and thought was uh, very good. Um, so, has a good uh, has a good track record, at least as far as I know. So, I see no reason not to look forward to it. And I am a sci-fi fanatic, so my goal is to, is to see every major sci-fi movie this year. And so far, I think I'm good. So this will just be another notch in the belt, and I'm really looking forward to it, especially with all the mystery around it, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's Ad Astra. And yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be a very contemplative sci-fi film. It costs $50 million to make, and they're not marketing it. Mm-hmm. So to what Will is saying, oh, yeah. it will be surprising if they do stick to that May 24th release date, because you really <laughs> don't want to see a film like this flop, for sure. But that's looking like that yeah. might be the case, depending on how this goes. But okay. Well, they have my money. Will, you have the next film that is coming out the earliest out of all of our lists. Uh, What is that one? Yeah, so I picked Brightburn, which is the, uh, I believe, Sony's new horror film uh, with uh, Elizabeth Banks. And then um, that guy that was on The Office, uh, who was Pam's uh, boyfriend or or fiance before Jim came in. Yeah, David Denham is Denman. Oh, okay. I always say Denham. It's Denman. Jeez. He's a good actor, by the way. I don't mean to denigrate yeah. him too. He was great in his... uh, Puzzle. Oh, I didn't see Puzzle, but I heard that was a good film. But anyway, yeah, I guess people probably know this film best um, from James Gunn's influence he or involvement. He is involved as a producer, and I believe his uh, like cousin or brothers are involved from the screenwriting standpoint. The uh, general roundabout uh, synopsis of the film is that basically, like, what if man of steel involved their main character turning evil or what if superman <laughs> yeah. turned evil yeah um which feels like premise. a premise what was it I, th- I think that's a great premise we've never have yeah, you ever seen a superhero horror film before um mm. i think we have yeah but i i'm blanking exactly i mean i, I guess you could kind of qualify super james gunn's film as a, not a horror superhero film. horror f- a little bit but i mean yeah not in the traditional sense no um, but anyway, yeah, I, I feel like with this movie, it feels like, like what you're saying, John, it feels like one of those ideas that's probably been in like somebody's closet for like a long time. Like, I feel like a lot of people have had a similar idea, but they never got it through the system for whatever reason. And I feel like this is like one of those times where it's like this great idea. It's been thought about, but people are like, wouldn't it be cool if like Superman was actually evil, you know, and like they actually got it through the system and they got it made. And I feel like. You know, I don't know if it's going to be any good or not. I mean, I think it was supposed to come out last summer or it was supposed to premiere at Comic-Con last summer and it got delayed. So 
I'm not 100% sure what the quality of the film is going to be. I haven't heard any early buzz or anything of that sort. But I'm intrigued by the premise. I think the trailers are interesting, and uh, I'm hoping for the best. Yeah, I have a feeling it didn't come out because it just they needed more time because they didn't wrap filming until like May-ish a year ago. So oh, really? I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I would read too much into that, but I do remember hearing yeah that that they wanted to possibly promote the film more at Comic Con and release it maybe in the winter. But either way, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one too. Julia, you've picked nothing but spooky movies for for your anticipated <laughs> ones. Movies. So is Brightburn uh, at least on your radar? Because you, you didn't put it as an honorable mention, but are you interested in it? I did not. I haven't. Um, I haven't been as active in uh, kind of investigating the movie a little bit more. But just simply based off of what Will has been saying, it sounds like a really fascinating concept. And as people know, I'm very in for the spooks. So yes. I, I could be there. <laughs> All right. Well, our list have a lot of spooky movies and there's a lot of horror movies coming out uh, in the next few months, more than it feels like usual, like ones with bigger budgets, which is very exciting. We're going through a very interesting time for horror films at the moment. But all right, Julie, on that note, what what is yours? Yours comes out May 31st. This is the earliest film that you picked. What is it? Yeah. So the film that comes out May 31st uh, this summer is called Ma. And it's about a lonely woman who befriends a group of teens and decides to let them party uh, at her house, basically. Just when the teens think that they have it all made, that they're in luck, they have a great place to throw parties away from the view of their parents, things start to get, you guessed it, guys, spooky. Uh, (laughs) Circumstances start to change, um, and the woman that they know as Ma starts to become a dark a more intense figure in their lives and gets and it ends up putting their lives in danger. So the director of the film is Tate Taylor, who previously uh, did the help a couple of years ago and also not Octavia too long Spencer. Ago, hmm. also starring Octavia Spencer and a few years ago di- directed the girl on the train with uh, Emily Blunt so this film has an interesting lineup of figures, as you said, uh, John. It stars Octavia Spencer. Uh, Luke Evans is also in the film, along with Alice and Janney. And then there's a slew of new young talent, including Diana Silvers and Skylar Joy and Andrew Matthew Welch, among others. Um, I was I saw the trailer for this film and was just very intrigued by it. It looks very strange and weird and i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of there for it i think that tate taylor is a director who's kind of started to dabble in different genres and i want to see octavia spencer do something that is this kind of wacky yeah this movie looks extremely unsettling <laughs> looks psychologically terrifying <laughs> and i very I'm even more excited about it because of the main character, like the main girl in that group of friends is played by Diana Silvers, who is one of the surprise great characters in Booksmart. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to, to oh, see her great. kind of sort of lead a film, I guess, or maybe if not lead it, be the protagonist. But all right, that's Ma. It's coming out May 31st. Uh, I picked the latest film uh, as far as our earliest ones go. And in fact, I was looking at this. All of my films that I've picked, here's a little hint, they all come out in June. So June is going to be mm-hmm. a big month for me. And none of you picked a June film. So 
<laughs> I don't know what that says. Oh, actually, Sam, you did pick one June. That's film. not true. It is. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to 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 make such a declaration, <laughs> but yeah. This this one I really wanted to see this at Sundance. It comes out June seventh. The last black man in San Francisco. Talk about a film that when you watch the trailer, you can already tell that it's gonna really mess with your soul. It's a it's a drama film. It is directed and I believe also written by Joe Talbot. This is his first film. I think he did a short film before this, and maybe I, I forget what else he did actually. But it's based on his own story that he did with Jimmy Fails, who stars in the film. Uh, along with Jimmy Fails, it stars Jonathan Majors, Danny Glover, Sheena Arnold, Rob Morgan, Mike Epps, Finn Whitrock, and Thor Birch. And the plot of the movie is there is this young African-American man who goes back to San Francisco, where he grew up, and he tries to reclaim his house, which is in the city and it's it's like this very like full house classic San Francisco home. It's big, it's Victorian, it's in the Fillmore district. His grandfather built it, and he feels like it ownership of it. So he and his friend kind of set out to sort of reclaim their their righthood or birthhood or whatever you want to their what's the word for that? Birthsake, namesake, right, birthright, birthright. Birthright. There it is. Birthright. That's yep. what I'm looking for. Their birthright <laughs> in San Francisco. So this is coming out from A24. It, it won a few awards at Sundance. Everyone I know who has seen it has recommended it without fail. I was extremely upset that they aren't going to be showing this. It, they didn't show this at the San Francisco Film Festival, which I've been at. And ridiculous. It's the San Francisco Film Festival. Right? And this is a movie about San Francisco. <laughs> this cowards. But as somebody who loves this city, I'm not a San Francisco native. I'm, I'm a transplant, but I've lived here for five years and I've I love this city more than any other city in the world, at least right now. And I can't wait to see it. Just looking at the trailer, it's like engaging with my newest home. And I have a feeling I'm not going to be able to handle The Last Black Man in San Francisco on an emotional (laughs) level, but I'm going to watch it and I can't wait. That's coming out again on June 7th. I hope hope I'm not alone. I hope you all are able to check it out as well. I hope so too. I hope so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know much about it, but I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to throw it back to you, Sam. What is your next oh, film? Yeah. Uh, my next film, like Ma, is also released on May 30th. So that is looking to be a hectic weekend, especially uh, especially considering the, the one other film that is coming out this week. But one I am talking about is, uh, and we're doing this in order so I can just say, uh, is my most anticipated movie of the entire summer, uh, even more than uh, Avengers or any any other thing. Sounds that, like it might be uh, your most it, anticipated of the year. It could be, yeah. Uh, besides maybe uh, uh, Star Wars 9. Ooh, do you hear that car horn in the background? Yep. Somebody was agreeing yeah, well, with you, yeah. Somebody was agreeing fervently. Uh, yes, but uh, I'm going to end up beating around the bush. The It is, of course, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which is uh, the uh, sequel to Gareth Edwards' film from five years ago, uh, which I have not seen since it came out, but I remember liking it, so I'm very curious to go back to this one. And uh, what I decided uh, several months ago was that, you know what, I'm very, I'm very meticulous about seeing certain movies if they're part of a franchise. Uh, I like to have seen at least most of the other installments beforehand, so I decided... Know what I'm going to do? I'm going to spend pretty much the entire first half of this year watching every Godzilla movie, uh, and not just the movies with Godzilla in it, but 
also the ones that are sort of tertiarily connected. So that includes uh, a handful of King Kong movies and a bunch of other weird, uh, weird, just little B movies from uh, Japan in the 60s and 70s and 80s. And uh, I'm currently about halfway done. So that so I need to dramatically pick up the pace. But it is I'm I'm getting really excited for this one. And it, it of course, tells the story of uh it's either the near future or sort of an alternate like dystopian version of the present uh in which monarch the agency who was very prevalent in the in the first film sort of have to deal with a whole bunch of monsters that just start showing up out of nowhere the plot is a little vague but basically the idea is that uh mothra rodan and King Ghidorah, the three uh, most significant characters in the Godzilla universe, besides Godzilla himself, so, sort of all surface at around the same time. Uh, and they're thought to be sort of the rightful rulers of the Earth, sort of vying for dominance and supremacy. And it looks like it's just going to be a massive, massive, exciting, explosive uh incredibly uh just dynamic monster movie um and it is it's directed by michael doherty who had previously directed krampus from a few years ago which i didn't see but i'm actually i actually kind of want to now it's okay it's and, good. that's a good movie and i think it's good yeah I, I look forward to checking it out and also i was surprised to learn about this and trick or treat which i never realized yeah. had such a big following oh, until yeah. starting research it's a good film so I like excited one. to see that too. So I've, I've, uh, I follow Michael Doherty on Twitter. He seems very enthusiastic about this, like a very faithful fan of Godzilla. So I'm very excited to see how this turns out. And, uh, I'm excited to see, uh, the, the other three monsters finally get like a really competent, uh, huge budget appearance. Cause for the most part up until now, it's sort of been, they've sort of been presented with really like, you know, a cheap, uh, B movie effects, and there's certainly a charm to that, and I'm loving seeing sort of their roots and everything. Um, but I'm very excited to see this. It looks really slick from the trailers. The first trailer with uh, Claire de Lune is utterly beautiful. I have to restrain myself from not watching it every day. <laughs> King Ghidorah was originally a, an alien from the planet Venus, so I'm curious to see how they're going to deal with that. I imagine they'll probably alter the uh, alter the origin a little bit. But yes, that is. I, I could not be more excited for Godzilla King of the Monsters. All right. Godzilla King of the Monsters comes out May 31st and I have a feeling it's going to be a much bigger hit than I think some people expect. I, the last two of these films, like the one with the Kong Skull Island and, and the God 2014 Ugh. Godzilla one, I think that they both yeah. made good money and I think this one's probably going to be a big hit as well. And I think we're going to be talking about this one even more later in this preview. I, I think it may be in the honorable oh, mentions, yes. but we'll save that for later. Could right. Godzilla King of the Monsters be Godzilla King of the Summer? Oh. Question mark. Ooh. Headline. Ooh. I thought you were going to say box office. <laughs> it's going to be. Comp- <laughs> There's going to be big competition. Right. Uh, it very well could be though. Which is funny because I think two of the biggest contenders for the biggest film of the summer are not even on our list for anything. <laughs> so, but we'll get to that. Our- <laughs> Will Ashton, the next one you picked, I have this one in my honorable mentions, uh, but what is it? What, it comes out July 26th? What, what's going on? Yeah, it's the ninth film from writer-director Quentin Tarantino, which is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. 
Uh, as we learned from the teaser a couple months ago, it's going to be about a famous, I guess, technically faded movie star played by Leonardo DiCaprio and his stunt double uh, played by Brad Pitt. And somehow they are involved with Charles Manson and Sharon Tate, who uh, Sharon Tate is played by Margot Robbie. Um, I don't know much more than that. I'm trying not to learn more than that at this yeah. point, um, other than that. I'm going to guess that this movie is going to fall in the vein of uh, Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, maybe be like an unofficial trilogy to those films, and that might rework history. It might have fit into the Tarantino established universe in a way that maybe some people who died in real life live. I won't say more than that if people don't really know the full <laughs> story of what happened here. Um, but yeah, I, it, this trailer looks like a lot of fun. I tend to think uh, Tarantino movies are an event. They're big films. You know, he really goes all out with the cinematic experience. And uh, I can't think of any of his films that really disappointed me. I mean, even Death Proof, I enjoy a good bit. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Is per- Most particularly if it's going to be, as Tarantino has said for a long time, his penultimate film. Whether or not he's going to stay true to that, I don't know. But in the meantime, I'm looking forward to seeing what he cooked up this time. Yeah, same here. I mean, it's in my honorable mentions because The Hateful Eight, is like one of my favorite films of the last decade. So I would be remiss to not even to not at least be looking forward to another one from him. But I got to say the teaser check out our uh, our thing what, what do we call that? Our conversation on Hateful Eight? The, la- the, the last call. The last call. Yeah, yeah. Last we, call. There you go. Yeah. The three of us talked about it with Maverick. Uh, it was a great conversation, but yeah, I don't know. So far the teaser hasn't necessarily grabbed me. And I don't know, Sam, you don't have this on your honorable mentions, but you're one of the biggest Tarantino fans I know. Well, yeah, I sort of, you know, I sort of got started in this podcast sort of because of how much of a fan of Tarantino I was that I'm not anymore. But uh, I feel like I almost don't even need to, like, acknowledge that I'm excited for it because I'm already I've long since been sold on this movie. There's no way I'm not going to see it. So uh, I don't even need see the see the teaser honestly I've, I've come to a, i've come to an interesting understanding with uh with with mr tarantino so yeah that's that's the reason it doesn't show up but i am certainly excited julia i don't know are, are you a tarantino fan at all where do you stand um i'm a casual fan of his work most of my uh knowledge for, of his filmography is kind of the titles that most people are familiar with with Pulp Fiction and you mentioned The Hateful Eight more recently. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I myself have dug into um, that part of history in Hollywood and kind of the turmoil that happened following the scares after the Manson family came through Hollywood. So I, I'm, it's piqued my interest, at least. I'd like to see what other folks are saying about it. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Let's uh, let's go right then into your next film, Julia. So you picked a film that's coming out on July third. So this is our second July movie mention, and I very much thought about taking this one, but I'm glad you got it. This is another spooky movie, right? What is it? It is another mm-hmm. spooky movie, very on brand for me. This is Ari Aster's sophomore film, Midsummer, and it comes out like you said, July third. And it's about a young woman played by Florence Pugh who joins her boyfriend on a summer trip where things quickly go awry. Um, Ari Aster is the director of last year's huge horror hit uh, Hereditary that starred Tony Collette. 
Um, I was a huge fan of that film from last year. I think it was on my top 10. And I think, Will, it might have been on your top 10 as well. Yep. Yeah, so I really, really enjoyed that. Um, I really enjoyed it for, I think, the shocks and uh, the spooks that came about, if you will, that I was not anticipating. So with Midsummer, it looks like Aster is going in a kind of different, saturated look than his first feature film. Everything kind of looks like it's captured with an Instagram filter over the camera. <laughs> so I'm really intrigued by the look of the film. And much like Hereditary, the trailer that came out is just layered in ambiguity. We're not really sure what's going on. But what we do know is that as opposed to being kind of watching kind of watching a family experience trauma like we did in Hereditary, it feels more like we're very much a part of Midsummer. If you haven't checked out the trailer, I would definitely recommend doing so. Um, it stars Florence Pugh, who will also be in uh, Greta Gerwig's Little Women coming out in December. Yeah. Uh, will, will Poulter, who uh, recently was in the Netflix interactive feature uh, Bandersnatch that we talked about previously. And William Jackson Harper from The Good Place pops up in this film, which oh, I'm a gee. huge fan of his from his I'm a huge <laughs> fan of his from his work on that show. So I'm excited and also a little bit scared to see him in this movie. But yeah, this is one of my very highly anticipated films of the I summer. I know you all really liked Hereditary. I didn't like it as much, but I'm very interested in this film because I like what Ariaster was doing in Hereditary and the cast here is like the reason I think to see this, uh, I love Florence Pugh. I loved her in fighting with my family and lady Macbeth and so many good films she's been in. And I, Jack Rayner from sing street is in this. And so that's a nice little, oh. ni nice little revisit. I feel like we haven't seen him in film in a while. So that's midsummer. It's coming out July 3rd. My film. Uh, so I had to pick this because obviously <laughs> And I've been... Yes. You got a brand to keep up, Joe. I have a, yes. I, I have long been a skeptic of Toy Story 4, which comes out on June 21st. And I know a lot of you are thinking, well, it's probably going to be bad. And Toy Story, I think one of you picked it as a Dark Horse film that you think it looks bad, but you're hoping it'll surprise. I won't spoil who that is. <laughs> but look, it's Pixar. It's Toy Story. We know the deal. There's no way I'm not excited about this film. And... It's use of God only knows from the beach boys is reason number one, why I've come around and I actually think this could be something special. And I hope that it's, I hope that it's worthy of the toy story franchise. And if it at least is that it doesn't have to be better than toy story three and two and one, but if it's at least worthy of being in the same breath as those films, that's enough reason for me to be anticipating this one with reckless abandon. If you don't know already toy story four, it takes place year a year i think after the events of toy story 3 woody and buzz and the gang all live with bonnie and they're on a road trip and along the way woody has to escape the the rv in order to save this makeshift toy that bonnie created named forky uh, who's voiced by tony hale and they have this kind of road trip adventure <laughs> it's also you, have, you also have like rom-com elements because bo peep comes back into the mix there are so many reasons I'm looking forward to this. And the, the main one is that these characters are wonderful and the, the crew making it, it is classic Pixar, but 
It's based on a story that a lot of the the big wigs at Pixar, Lee Unkrich and Pete Docter and Andrew Stanton, they all worked on the story along with he who shall not be named. And the direct this is the first directing film from Josh Cooley, who he's done some shorts along the way. He's been a main fixture of Pixar for a long time. He's a big reason why Inside Out story is so tight. And I'm very curious to see how he does in his first time directing. And did, did I mention that Tom Hanks and Tim Allen are in this film again. And that's just going to be such an awesome experience to hear their voices on the big screen again. I don't know. Am I alone here? Am am I the only one looking forward to toy story Four? take that as a yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I sort of have no expectations for this whatsoever, maybe just out of a survival instinct or something. Uh, So I, I honestly don't know. I am. It is, it does have a lot of good pedigree behind it. So, there is reason to assume that uh, that it'll be at least somewhat good, but that is it is the question: Is it going to be Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, or will it be uh, Mad Max Fury Road? Who's to say? I think it'll be closer to like Incredibles two, where it's it's good. People are really going to like it, but it's because I think unlike Cars two and three, and and some of the other Pixar sequels that haven't quite been like at that high level this one really like you're saying does have the pedigree but i understand sam of having like lowering your expectations for your own benefit uh that's what i want (laughs) to do but i can't (laughs) i don't have the soft control i I know on the cast list it does have don rickles so that'll be interesting to see uh what how they're going to handle that yeah i don't think they finished all of his lines so we'll we'll find out yeah i I didn't even I, i thought they didn't even record his stuff so that's surprising to me I think I thought that they did some of it, but we'll see. Yeah, All right. yeah. That that uh, I should say too. That is the only animated slash family film on any of our lists. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> clearly, a lot of us are are we like the spooks, we like the monsters, we like the Tarantino. See, but uh, all right, Sam Nolan. See? Yeah, <laughs> I just felt okay. it. You know, it was, it was there. But Sam, sure. you picked you picked a film that I think all of us were thinking of picking. Uh, I don't know about yeah. Julia, because I don't remember you saying anything oh, about definitely. it. Oh, definitely. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we we all, as soon as you picked it, I think Will uh, just cursed out loud <laughs> and flipped over his desk. I, I swooped in and grabbed this movie and flew the hell away before any of y'all could, could all right. anything about it. Uh, it so comes it, out June 14th. That's correct. Yeah, so we got June completely covered. Every week of June, there's going to be something interesting. Uh, and uh, the movie in question is, and I, I suspect some of the viewers may, may not have even heard of it, uh, is Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die. Uh, Jim Jarmusch is an indie director who's been working since the 1980s. Um, and although I haven't seen a lot of his movies, the sense I get is that uh, he's very... Uh, He's very contemplative, but also very self uh, self aware, and sort of the way that that you know indie contemplation can come off as sort of uh, you know impenetrable or pretentious or what have you. Did you um, did the, you see uh, Patterson? I did. As a matter of fact, I literally just watched Patterson. Okay, we talked about it on the show I before. Was, I love that movie. Yeah, and I thought it was actually fantastic i've heard i've heard wonderful things and even then it's uh, it uh, exceeded my expectations and uh, this is adam driver once again uh yeah. who was also in patterson stars in the dead don't die along with uh bill murray and a few other cast members let me see if i can pull it up here there we go along with uh, bill murray cast. 
huge, insane cast. Chloe Savini, Steve Buscemi, Danny Glover, uh, Iggy Pop, of all people, and Tom Waits, who's sort of become like the indie uh, bit part character indie he was in. I, I, I love that. Um, I think his character in this is Hermit Joe. Yeah, I think um, you're right. Hermit Bob. So I guess, but oh, sorry, Hermit Bob. Uh, I knew his three layer name, but uh, I think that between this and the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, he's just like, oh yeah, I'm only playing yeah. hermits from now on. <laughs> Don't well, give me any script if I'm not a hermit. If Caleb Landry Jones is in this, you have to think that they're related in some way. Oh yeah, you, you can definitely I'm visualize sure. that part. <laughs> That's uh, that'll be. That'll be fun to see. Uh, Tom Waits was also in The Old Man and the Gun, which was uh, one of my, either my first or second favorite movie that of was last your, year. Yeah, you said it was your favorite of the year. It was number one at the time, but then I saw if Beale Street could talk after mm. that. It's it's in the top three regardless. So uh, let, let, let's not focus on the sticks here. <laughs> so the, the, the Dead Don't Die is sort of looking to be a bit of like a dry comedy, which I am a sucker for. Uh, the tagline, I love it. Just the road to survival could be a dead end. Uh, <laughs> that is what, what a what a perfect way to sell a zombie movie. And it's uh, the plot is as follows: in a small peaceful town, zombies suddenly rise to terrorize the town. Now, three bespectacled police officers and a strange Scottish morgue expert must band together to defeat the undead. I have no reason to believe that this will be anything except utterly fantastic. I love, I watched the trailer. Uh, I figured like half hour before we recorded this, Oh, I should probably watch the trailer for this. Uh, cause I don't watch <laughs> trailers too often. Um, but I, it has this matter of factness about it. Like, what do you think we got here officer? Well, I think it's a, I think it's a zombie outbreak. It, it's just so, so matter of fact about it. Um, and I think it, very funny i thought there were some really funny moments in patterson uh and some of the other various jim jarmusch films that i've seen beforehand so yeah i think i hope this one manages to find an audience the trailer looks good it looks like it'll probably convince a lot of people to go out and check this one out so i'm just i just very very uh in anticipatory is that a word? very excited for this movie yeah i think exci- i don't know if anticipatory is is a word in that usage but i'm we get looking it. it up right now yeah. <laughs> Homest to say <laughs> some some grammar nerd i guess but okay the dead don't die anticipatory is a word it's a word but i don't know if you could use it in the same word as like excited or excitement we were sure anyway sure sure <laughs> i'm also looking forward to this yeah the trailer is very dry like you're saying but it's also it's it has like a shabby quality to it that works to its charm i hope but I think that's going to be a good one. It's going to be premiering at Cannes Film Festival, which, of course, is happening over the summers. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of films jumping under our radar once that takes place uh, between May 14th and May 25th. And hopefully we'll get some advance notice on whether or not The Dead Don't Die is worth reliving. Okay. Mm-hmm. Will Ashton, <laughs> you also, like everybody else, you picked a horror film. I'm the only one who didn't pick a horror film on Most Anticipated. Look at that. Yeah. As much as I love horror. Unless Toy Story 4 ends up turning out very differently. Uh, we already got Toy Story of Terror, which was directed by Josh Cooley. But okay, Will Ash And the picks... end of Toy Story 3 is a horror movie to some. Oh, really? Oh, okay. It, yeah, it gets pretty intense. Okay, we'll save those theories Regardless. for another discussion, I suppose. <laughs> uh, Will, I'm seeing The Nightingale in a couple of days. So I'm very much looking forward to this one. It comes out August 2nd, but for those who don't know anything about it, what is 
Yeah, it's the follow-up film for Jennifer Kent, the writer-director of The Babadook from a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I, five I years ago, glanced at the think. plot for this. What was that? It's, it's been five years since The Babadook, I think. It's been a while. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah I guess that was like 2014, 2014 right? yeah. Yeah. Huh. Well, doesn't time fly? So yeah, um, really yeah I, I've been... Um, I've been wildly anticipating Jennifer Kent's uh, follow-up to Babadook because I really, really liked that film a lot. And uh, fun fact, that's the first movie I end up seeing at the theater where I now work. So a bit of a nostalgic quality for me there as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't know too much about the plot. I read it. I I think I might have looked it over the synopsis of the film, but I couldn't tell you what it is right now. And I'm kind of hoping to go in blank as possible. I just know that uh, this director really proved herself with her first movie, and I hope it's not a sophomore slump. I really want to see this uh, grow into like a really v- fruitful and uh, promising career. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what she cooked up next with her second film. I'm right there with you. Well, I didn't watch a trailer on purpose because there's no way I, I don't want anything. Oh, spoiled. I didn't even know there was one. I think yeah, there is, and uh, I th- at okay. least I thought there was. I think there's at least a teaser, but. Yeah, I, I do know. So this this premiered at Venice Film Festival last year. All I know is that it was Alex Billington's favorite movie of the year. It was also at Sundance. Everyone I know who saw it there loved it. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Uh, I'll let you know what I think without any spoilers, of course. That's The Nightingale. We don't know too much about it. And I know even less probably about this next one uh, that you have, Julia. So this film comes out August 9th. So we have two August films on our most anticipated, which is always fun. I think August is a, a kind of a dark horse month, if you will. But what is this movie, Julia? And why are you excited about it? Yeah, so this movie comes out August 9th, which is usually kind of a sleeper month at the end of the summer season. But it's a movie that I'm really excited for. It's something that I have a really strong personal connection to. And this is the adaptation of scary stories to tell in the dark it is about a group of teens who face their worst fears in order to save their lives and their town it is a film that has kind of a culmination of the store the short stories that were written by alvin schwartz and brings to life the monsters that were illustrated by stephen gamel it's directed by andre overdahl who is famous for directing The Autopsy of Jane Doe. And even more so, Guillermo del Toro is heavily involved with the film, uh, from screenplay to producing to, I'm sure, having some sort of hand in these creature creations as he's kind of known for creating such beautiful and also terrifying figures from his films. Uh, There's a slew of young talent coming out from this movie, but I'm just really excited I grew up reading these short stories when I used to go camping, and I'm excited to see stories like The Red Dot and Harold the Scarecrow come to life and terrify me. I'm so, so ready for these spooks and very, very excited, and especially in the hands of uh, Guillermo del Toro and Andre Overdahl. I think that they will bring something really terrifying but also hopefully something nuanced that really honors the work of alvin schwartz and stephen gamel All right. so is it like an is it like an anthology or is it does it sort of synthesize them all into one cohesive thing so i'm a little bit vague on those uh on that kind of part of the film uh it looks mm. to me like it's a culmination of some of the stories from the first volume of alvin schwartz's 
books. So he create he wrote three, I believe, three volumes of scary stories to tell in the dark. And um, I'm pretty sure Harold the Scarecrow, I'm definitely sure, is in the first volume. Uh, we might see other stories there from the other volumes, or this could be the first of a series of scary stories movies, which given if the first film meets or exceeds my expectations, I would not mind at all. Do you think it's going to be Very PG-13 or R? Because um, I couldn't tell from the trailer. I couldn't tell either. I'm not sure if the MPAA has released its rating for it yet. I'd have to go back and check. Um, I wouldn't be surprised either way i think that it might be rated r personally there's, but yeah, there's some scenes where you can definitely see it go in an r direction but oh definitely yeah. all right yeah i i was a little bit worried about this one when i first heard about it because if it's not an anthology i'm worried because that means it has a lot of writers like redoing the script mm-hmm. but if it's an anthology that's okay that makes sense you'd have a lot of different people you have john august on this as well so I don't know. I, I hope that I hope that if, if it is an anthology, that just means it's going to be have a lot of diverse storytelling and and every story is going to build upon the last in a meaningful way. So, right. August 9th. Right. I'm All excited. Right. Then we have we have one last film and again, another June film uh, for me. But that is yesterday. And part of me is wondering if I'm the only person in Cinemaholics, this entire community, he's looking forward to yesterday which is the new Danny Boyle film, which is amazing to me. It's Danny Boyle. But I know a lot of people are not as excited. This is the film where the premise is that a guy wakes up, uh, played by Himesh Patel. He, he's a musician, and he he just can't make it in the industry. Nobody wants to listen to his music. But one day he wakes up, and nobody else in the world remembers that the Beatles existed. The Beatles, of course, being, in my opinion, the greatest band of all time. And so what he decides to do with this newfound knowledge is pass the songs off as his own. And then he instantly becomes the biggest performer on the planet because all of a sudden, some of the greatest songs of all time are coming from this one guy in a short period of time. Also in this movie, Lily James, Kate McKinnon, Ed Sheeran, for some reason, I'm, I'm very <laughs> looking forward to this. It's going to be premiering at Tribeca in May. And I, I think that it, it has that sort of, goofball funny energy that Boyle is good at and I know some people have sort of soured on Slumdog Millionaire over the years but uh, I definitely think the thing that makes that 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 movie work is the way that it's able to kind of capture this and sustain a really good mood Uh, I also really enjoyed 127 Hours and Steve Jobs and 20 Days Later Uh, I think you're a fan of Sunshine right Sam Nolan? I am a huge fan of Sunshine yeah right yeah so it's for a Danny Boyle movie, I'm of course going to be looking forward to it. And I just think this trailer is irresistible. I think that it just has such a good energy to it, <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I'm, I'm uh, joined by anybody else on that one for now. I think the first time Will and I talked about it, he was like, you're excited about that movie. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Will. <laughs> I wouldn't go so far. I don't think I said that directly to you uh, as far as I recall, <laughs> but um, this, I don't know, the, the whole trailer for this movie just makes me mad. So I don't know if I'm going to like this movie, but um, I don't know. You know, Danny Boyle, he tends to make good films. Uh, why is, uh, you know, why is we'll anger see. the reaction? Didn't I'm even curious. mention train spotting. Because the, the concept, the, what's that? Oh, I forgot to mention train spotting, of course. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the last one. 
I was trying to remember what his last movie was, so that's not uh, promising for my memory of uh, Train Spotting Two. <laughs> if I couldn't even remember it. Oh yeah, he um, did do the but, sequel. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we all remember that movie fondly. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't see T Two. Uh, yeah. Spotting, so. Oh yeah, it was all right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, what to answer your questions, Sam? It just annoys me because the premise leaves a lot of questions. Like it just, it just. I would spend too much time and it, it would just devolve into madness if I really express my full anger at how this concept really makes no sense <laughs> to me. But um, yeah, I, that's just what makes me mad. But the film itself looks fine. It's going to be cute stuff, whatever. See, I think it, huh. I think it works because I think people are just forgetting about it and it, it's going to be, I, I understand. Cause like, wait, so many bands and songs are influenced by the Beatles. Right. So does that mean they stop existing? And so I have a feeling the film will explain this perfectly without too much exposition and it's going to be perfect and hundred percent a plus grade for Danny Boyle's latest film yesterday. <laughs> yeah, This one looks interesting because I'm wondering if it's going to have some weird, like some weird, like tales from the crypt twilight zone tone about it I in the way so. that it all I sort don't, of don't think so. <laughs> that'd be nice. that would be, Especially, that would be funny though. Wouldn't it all of a sudden like James Corden ends up being like some sort of like apparition. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I know he's yeah, the other big reason people aren't looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. But it's it seems it seems interesting because in the trailer, like not only does nobody remember the music, it's also like disappeared from all history. So I'm very. I think I'm, that's what's I'm frustrating, not, Will. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know yeah. whether to be frustrated or like weirdly enticed by it. Like, should I should I view this as a to say like okay i will cut you this amount of slack impress me with the remainder of the story so whether it does that will remain to be seen julia should we assume that your silence is because you are in fact a bob dylan fan (laughs) well no no the the film does meet one of my very few requirements for films in that it does have quite a few bops and some of those (laughs) bops are pretty good so you know i i I wasn't as I'm not angered by the film's existence so much as Will is. I just I'm, I I I have yet to to form a coherent opinion, and I'm just going to leave it as that and keep my spooks to myself. <laughs> all right, so that's Lucy yesterday. Done. I do oh, yeah. sort of wish they had gone with "All You Need Is Love" as the title of this film. That's what it was going to be, but mm-hmm. oh well. All right, uh, that would made into- the reviews too easy, John. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, let's talk about our Let's talk about our dark horse films. These are films that look bad, but maybe they'll surprise us. We're not going to go as in depth with these, of course. It's going to be a little bit quicker, and we're going to sort of do them one by one. So, Sam, what are your three dark horse films, and which one do you think actually does look the worst? Okay, so my three in order of release date is uh, Tolkien, the J.R.R. Tolkien uh, biopic, X Men: Dark Phoenix, which. Uh, yeah, whatever and uh, and weirdly enough angel has fallen the trilogy the the capper on the has fallen trilogy yeah i don't blame you for for considering that one for sure but okay which one looks the worst <laughs> which one looks the worst oh man well there's not a trailer for angel has fallen at least not that i know of so that sort of that one's sort of out of the running yeah i think that's an august you know film. what's up i said i think that's an august film uh, and there's not a trailer yet, so let let that uh, speak for itself. But you know, anything could happen. Um, Dark Phoenix. I 
I stopped caring about this entire, just this entire continuity uh, several years ago before, like, and not even like, in lieu of the Marvel movies or the DC movies or whatever. They're, they've spent so long just trying to fix their own mistakes and trying to sort of double back on, you know, what what they've what they should all along the X-Men movies I'm talking about. And I'm not talking about Logan. Logan's is its own thing, um, as are the Deadpool movies. But this one just looks like more of the same nonsense. It just I cannot bring myself to care whatsoever. Uh, and it's not even the only X-Men movie coming out. Summer. There's another one that I didn't even know existed. Starring another yesterday. Game of Thrones actor. Because Dark Phoenix has yeah. Sophie Turner, and we'll get to yeah. the other one, but that one has Maisie Williams. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Although think- Dark Phoenix has one of my favorite trailer moments ever, which which is when the Machine uh, Guns? No, not the Machine Guns. It's it's I don't know which trailer it is, but it's in one of them where Cyclops is asking Professor X what and James McAvoy in like this perfect Patrick Stewart impression goes, oh, I don't know what oh. to do. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> it is it's, pretty it, bad. It, I laughed. I saw that when I saw Shazam and I laughed out loud and I wasn't even the only one. So who knows? I mean, they've had good ones before, but man, do I, I have a feeling negative care? Yeah, I have a feeling this is going to be a bit of a box office flop. I, I just, I think it's going to be, for one thing, there's so many superhero movies coming out in the summer. I think by the time we get to Dark Phoenix, People are just going to be tapped out after Endgame and, and other yeah. things. But And also, it's hard to care about these stories at this point because, I mean, the X-Men franchise is basically over, right? I mean, there's not going to be another one of these. The actors don't want to do another one. Disney owns Fox now. They're not going to keep going with it. So, yeah, it, it is hard to find a reason to care. And, it, and that trailer looks not, so bad. Not to mention that it's helmed by a first-time director who has never directed anything <laughs> before. So, right, so it's very yeah, studio it's focused, like, probably. Yeah, and they've had, I, I think, so. three sets of reshoots. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's get into your dark horse films, and same thing. Which one do you think looks the worst? Uh, okay, um, I'll start with Toy Story Four because you hinted at earlier. Um, it's not really that I think it looks bad. I didn't see the full trailer. I only saw the teasers and like the Super Bowl clip. Mm. Um, I just don't. I just don't really know what to expect of this film, and I know that I really like those first three Toy Story movies a lot like many people and I think that last movie ended as about as perfect as a trilogy could end or a series could end so I really don't know what value this is going to bring to the series I'm open for it to be decent or at least good or something you know just not bad at least I guess so um yeah I I don't know I mean I'm not going to dismiss it I'll see it when it comes out but uh I'm really nervous about that one and um I think, Sam, you were alluding to The New Mutants, which is the other uh, X-Men related film that is supposedly coming out this summer. But I don't know if that's actually going to happen. I thought they were just going to put it on like that streaming service. But no, it's supposed to get a theatrical release. I think, yeah, I don't know. I would not uh, throw out the possibility of it either going to Disney Plus or it going to Hulu or something like that, being like a Hulu exclusive. Because I just feel like this movie was supposed to come out, I think, like two years ago. And they've like yeah. reshot most of it mm-hmm. by now. And it's I really like, like that a first trailers. Take. Yeah, but I think they changed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was supposed to be, I think, like an R-rated X-Men horror film. And then they, 
I think reworked to be PG-13, and I don't know what they're doing with it now. I really, I feel like this movie is just going to be a huge mess. Mm-hmm. But I want it to be good, because it's Josh Boone. I think he's a decent enough director. I like The Fault in Our Stars. So, I don't know. I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. I really just feel bad for it. It just feels like <laughs> this neglected puppy of a movie that just is kind of going through the ringer with like the Disney, mer- Disney Fox merger, and no one in the studio really knowing what to do with it. So I remember I watching it an interview like with Mace. Mace- I remember watching an interview with Maisie Williams and they were like, so when's the new mutants coming out? And she's like, I don't know. They don't tell me anything about that movie. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It'll Um, come out. Dark Phoenix. (laughs) Yeah. I think similar to dark Phoenix. Everyone's just kind of like, whatever, like it, when it comes out, it comes out and that'll be it. So I don't know on the like 0.5%. That's like an amazing film. I put it in here just cause you, like I said, I like that first trailer. I don't even know if any of that footage is going to be in this film at this point. But who knows at this point? Uh, and then I had Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which is the new Richard Linklater movie. Um, I'm always for a new Richard, Richard Linklater movie. I want it to be good, but that first trailer just looked bad. I yeah. really didn't think it looked good at all. But I'm I have really the book here. It's a case of, sorry to interrupt. I just, I really hope this is a case of bad trailer, great movie for sure. Yeah, it's Annapurna who also distributed uh, Missing Link recently, and that movie wasn't really promoted well either. So I'm guessing with their money financial issues that they just let go of their marketing department. <laughs> so um, I don't know what happened here. But I mean, yeah, I, I'm always down for a good Richard Linklater movie. And I I think he's earned enough credibility that I'll see it. And um, I should mention that I got to be on set one day. So I, I have a little bit of a personal connection to it. So I want it to be good for many reasons. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, if it's it, good, it, it launches your good. career in acting, right? Sure. <laughs> For like the like maybe five seconds you see at my back. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't know if this will be worth the while. Um, this was another film that also got delayed a lot. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that's a issue with Annapurna just because they're kind of having money issues right now or if that's a a sign or indicative of the quality of the film. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm. I'm always down for a good Richard Linklater movie, but I'm fearing that this might be one of his lesser works. I think of the uh, films here, I think New Mutants is probably going to be the worst, just based on all the issues they had with it. But I think Where'd You Go, Bernadette looks the worst. Hmm, So I don't know. One of those two. Interesting. All right. And Julia, what about you? It looks like two of yours are are definitely uh, two of yours have been ones that have been mentioned already. So what are they though? Sure. I'm going to share mine anyway. Um, The (laughs) three films that I have that are my dark horses are Tolkien, Where'd You Go, Bernadette and Palms. So I'm going to talk about Palms first because it looks like just an easy, fun movie. If any of you saw book smart when it, or not book smart, the book club, similar book is in the title uh, when it came out. Yeah, I did. Yeah, it feels like it's very much <laughs> along those lines. Just very easy, kind of feel good. Diane Keaton Same and Jackie Weaver. Yeah, uh, cheerleading. I don't know. It looks relatively enjoyable. I'm all in for it. Um, and then the other two. Will, you kind of touched on where'd you go, Bernadette, with the other touchstones that I wanted to get at. Uh, and then... Uh, my last film was Tolkien, which, in my opinion, of the three that I have, it's not really my cup of tea. I feel I feel like it's in danger of hitting those same kind of uh, biopic beats yeah. and 
not really taking a nuanced take on such a fascinating figure who created such an interesting world that still impacts so much of pop culture today. So, yeah, I'm not feeling very uh, sure about Tolkien. I think that that might be the one that ends up not being my favorite. Hopefully it's good. Yeah, I get very, I get a lot of theory of everything vibes from that trailer, but we'll have to see. Uh, uh. All right. My three. Okay. So (laughs) the first one I have is Good Boys, which I just saw the trailer for this recently, but. Oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, it it oh, looks pretty no. terrible, but I'm really hoping it's kind of like super bad, but like for preteens, mm-hmm. and it stars Jacob yeah, Tremblay no from no good boys in that regard, <laughs> right, right. Uh, it stars Jacob Tremblay from I think he was in the Book of Henry and Rome, and it's directed and co-written by Gene Stupinski, uh, who he usually works with Lee Eisenberg. Um, he he has a lot of like writing and directing credits for like The Office, so. I'm hoping that humor translates, but that's tough because I feel like the humor in the office was really like Greg Daniels and Mike Schur and those folks. But regardless, uh, this is his first film and Seth Rogen's one of the producers. And it's like this R-rated comedy where like these kids are having like a crazy, like one, crazy night or whatever. I don't know. It, it, I think it would premiere at South by Southwest and I heard like not amazing things. But I'm still kind of looking forward to it. It, it had it got mixed ratings, I should say. Actually, I think some people really liked it. But then also, uh, I have um, Aladdin, which okay, bear with me here. Uh, we we haven't mentioned <laughs> any of the like Disney big Disney films of the year, except for I guess Toy Story, right? But the Aladdin film, it's Guy Ritchie, yeah. which I understand like King Arthur: Legend of the Sword didn't quite work. And part of me is like, there's so many strikes against this movie from like the weird representation issues to the fact that it just looks like a beat for beat remake to either the fact that the, Will Smith is the genie just seems so absurd. And then I watched that trailer where like the music kind of goes with it. And it's got me a little bit like maybe this film could actually have something going on that justifies its existence. Maybe there is a story here that can amplify or evolve upon the original animated film, huge, huge bar. I'm not saying it will, but if Aladdin is really good, I'll be very happy. I think as most of us could say, if yeah. it was very good, but then also it looks better than the Lion King. It I'll say does. That <laughs> it does. It really does. And then last I have men in black international, which I honestly, I, I know a lot of people say that it looks good and they just think it'll maybe it'll just be kind of average, but the trailers haven't impressed me at all. It just, it kind of looks cheaply made to me. I, I think, Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth will probably be really great as the leads because their chemistry is so good. And uh, I'm always for that same comedic energy from Thor Ragnarok, but I've just gotten a sense of like, man, nothing really happens in these trailers and the men in black franchise in general has just, I don't know. There's something about this. It doesn't look like it's going to have much going on in it, but I'm hoping that is not the case. I hope that it actually turns around and looks pretty good. So of all of these, definitely Aladdin looks the worst um, <laughs> by far, <laughs> but I, I have hope that misplaced as it might be, but all right, let's wrap things up with our honorable mentions. We each picked three and Sam of your honorable mentions, you picked three that have not shown up on any lists so far. What are they? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm actually, I think I might've gotten the release dates uh, mixed up a little bit. This might be a little out of order, um, but the first oh, we've one... we've been doing it I'll totally out of order since the... Uh, yeah, you're Totally good. out of order. Yeah. Okay, all right. 
So, uh, so the first, I suppose I'll start with the, the most well-known one, or uh, at least probably the most recognizable one, is uh, Booksmart, uh, the directorial debut of Olivia Wilde. John, if this, if this uh, thing I'm looking at is accurate, you've already seen the damn yes. movie. So I saw Booksmart. Do, am, I, am I right to be looking forward to it? Yes, it's a it's wonderful. Okay. It's hilarious. I I think I messaged all of you right after I saw this that I collapse on the floor laughing at this movie. So I'm <laughs> glad to see at least somebody put it on their honorable mentions. Yeah, I really when I uh, when I saw Lady Bird, I as much as I love Saoirse Ronan, I I remember thinking, wow, that Beanie Feldstein is going places. And Jonah Hill's looks like younger she is, sister. So. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Um, she was what? Not in, up uh, to date the on Second that, uh... Neighbors, and what else was she in? She's been in a couple of things, but yeah, Lady She's Bird, in a few boy. episodes of uh, What We Do in the Shadows. That's on FX. right. I heard about that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So not not to say about this. Just looks really funny, really charming. Uh, I've been coming around on high school movies. They I, they used to sort of turn me away. What with their what with their whimsy uh and and such things but uh <laughs> it's a little bit of a weird sentiment i know sam um, watts grit grit what's in his high, sam watts grit in his high school movies that's right yeah well well my my high school was very un- uh high school life was very uneventful so it sort of uh i sort of resent these movies that show high school being like an amazing time um but you know it's it's uh, getting further away from my past, so I'm coming around on it. And this one looks really charming. Uh, one of the other honorable mentions is a movie I almost saw six months ago at the Denver uh, Film Festival in in uh, late October. I almost saw Olivier Assayas's nonfiction, um, which is a movie that's not really like it, it doesn't sound very enticing. Probably just from the description, uh, it's a very artistic movie so to speak um is by the director of personal shopper and clouds of sils maria and cold water and a whole bunch of others uh, a whole bunch of other classics and it's just i'm mostly just looking forward to finally getting to see it because i didn't get to uh at the time but it's basically a writer and a publisher a married couple if i'm not mistaken just sort of getting trying to trying to come to terms with the changing world and uh seen a lot of stories like this but it's an interesting well to revisit again and again so i hope i get to see the i have a lot of really good indie houses around my location so i am i'm very much looking forward to it uh, and the last one is one that i'm looking forward to sort of sort of shamefully like based purely on the trailer it's called the biggest little farm um which I don't really, I don't really know a whole lot about the plot. I, I it's just uh, a married couple who just sort of try to run a farm and run into problems. But I keep, I don't know what happens, but I keep seeing the trailer for every movie I see. They keep showing this trailer, and it's <laughs> and it's it's it's. I don't know if it's just hypnotized me into into wanting to see because it looks it looks fine. <laughs> it did I its guess, job. Sort of it's the only documentary any of us picked for anything. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's sort of uh, it's not it's not dramatized or anything. Or I guess it is dramatized, but it's not like fictional. Um, and so so it just it's it's it has this weird inspirational pap feeling to it that I'm looking forward to guiltily seeing seven or eight times. Uh, so who knows? I have I have no idea what to expect. So in a way, that's why I'm sort of excited for it. 
All right. A lot of great picks there. Uh, I want to see those as well. But Will Ashton, uh, you have a couple. Um, they've all been mentioned before, except for one of them. So but let's start with the first two that have been mentioned already. Yeah. Um, so I have Godzilla and Midsummer, which are my number one, number two, most anticipated movies of the summer. <laughs> um, I'm for all the <laughs> reasons that have been mentioned. Yeah. So they got picked before me. And that's actually why I was cussing in the chat is because I really, I really wanted to put both these on my list, but um, yeah, yeah I, I'm really looking forward rage. to both these. What was that? Feed us your rage, William. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing my uncle Godzilla again. He's always great to see on the big screen. Midsummer, uh, obviously I love Terry, so I can't wait to see what uh, the filmmaker has cooked up there. I hope it's on a sophomore slump and it has nice uh, Wicker Man vibes, the original Wicker Man, I mean. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what is uh, going to come of that. And then my third movie was Detective Pikachu, which I don't know if it's actually going to be good. I think it's Rob Letterman who's directing this one, who I, I don't think he's made any movie I've liked. I think he made Monsters and versus Aliens, uh, that Goosebumps movie, oh, Gulliver's Travel. Um, just movies I don't care for personally. Um, they never really <laughs> floated my boat. Um, but um, Detective Pikachu, it's our first live action Pokemon movie. And uh, as a young lad, I've always imagined like, what would the Pokemon be like in live action <laughs> on the big screen? And we're finally going to get it. Even though Day DeVito is not voicing Detective Pikachu, <laughs> I will look forward to seeing what uh, Ryan Reynolds has in the titular role of Detective <laughs> Pikachu. So that's my yeah. pick. I, I was really close to putting this in my honorable mentions, Detective Pikachu. But I, yeah, I'm kind of dealing with the same worry. I was like, I I don't even really like Shark Tale much, um, which I guess isn't. Oh, really he did that too? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> just <no>. another strike. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know, though, I know Detective Pikachu kind of was coming in and out of people's honorable mentions and dark horses. Julia, where are you, where are you at with Pikachu and Pokemon in general? Well, you know, during my time as a youth, I was a passive, uh, kind of casual uh, part of the Pokemon surgeons, I guess, in pop culture. So um, you were a Pokemon I have, trainer? Um, <laughs> observer, I would say. <laughs> observer to the training. Mm. Um, no, I mean, I'm very familiar with the, with the characters and some of the animated films. Um, I'm at least interested to see this kind of vision. Some of the... Um, Pokemon from just based off of the trailer look very, very close to what I remember from uh, some of the playing cards. So it's definitely piqued my interest. It looks like a lot of fun. It looks like there's a lot going on in terms of world building. So sure, why not? <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, the, the Pokemon are cute. Like Snorlax in this movie, I think is gonna I'm gonna connect oh, with. But oh yes, my buddy Snorlax. <laughs> <laughs> but Sam, we got. What about you? I I don't think we've ever talked about the Pokemon before. No, and that's because I've never really had anything to do with Pokemon. It just it always evaded my interest for whatever reason. Um, nothing against them, by any means, but yeah, it just have never has never been my thing. So who knows? I mean, the trailers don't look especially good to me, but it's just a trailer, so who knows. Um, yeah, uh, not, not a whole lot on that one. Yeah. All right, Julia, two of your honorable mentions overlap with some of ours, but you do have one, uh, Julia original for sure, but let's start with the, the overlap. Mm -hmm. What did you pick? 
Yeah, so my two overlaps are Rocket Man, which is the film based on um, kind of Elton John's rise to fame. Um, I'm kind of interested in it simply because it looks like it's going to take a very different spin on the music biopic. Um, it's like a musical biography hybrid, so it looks like they're going to be actual staged um, song and dance numbers throughout the film. That at least has me interested. And also having Elton John himself inserted throughout the project can kind of cause a little bit of worry to only try to lay out some of the best parts of his rise to fame, but at the same time, maybe kind of bringing out some of the honesty and reckoning with some of his past too. So there's the possibility for that. And then uh, the other film that I had in my honorable mentions was Godzilla king of the monsters we talked we were talking about the claire de lune trailer which immediately pulled me in i do also remember i think as sam said uh seeing the first godzilla film i didn't see kong skull island which was kind of the second installment in this mm. series that they're building um don't bother I did, yeah i do remember <laughs> i remember seeing godzilla i remember having a good time and enjoying it and we were talking about you know the at least visually, this looks really enticing. And just thinking about that Claire DeLune trailer uh, has me, keeps my interest going. Um, but the last film that I want to talk about in my honorable mentions is one that I kind of just snuck in there just a few minutes ago, actually, changing my mind. I wanted to talk <laughs> about Joanna Hogg's film, The Souvenir, which hit at Sundance and has just kind of received unanimous praise across the board. And I'm really excited about it. It won the Sundance Film Festival Grand Jury Prize for World Cinema uh, Drama uh, this past festival. And it stars Honor Swinton Byrne, who is Tilda Swinton's daughter, as a young film student in the early 1980s who becomes romantically involved with a complicated and untrustworthy man. There's a little bit of mystery there. But Tilda Swinton also stars in the film as her mother. And I'm just, I've heard nothing but good things about this film. I'm just really interested in it in kind of the way that Joanna Hogg is going to capture this very complicated um, relationship between these two characters. I'm really interested to see Honor Swinton Byrne take on a role that is so kind of unique. And uh, this is, I think, her first like real starring role. And then to see also how she works with Tilda Swinton and how I'm a huge Tilda Swinton fan. So naturally, I'll be there to see her. But I've just I've heard nothing but good things about this film, and I wanted to bring out another movie that's directed by a woman that people can go and see this summer. And this has just received such unanimous praise that can't not mention it, you know? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of great Tilda Swinton projects coming out this summer. So there's no shortage of that for sure. And I'm glad, I'm glad you picked this. I think this is one of the earlier ones that we like some of the earlier films. This is May 17th. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I heard the same things coming out of Sundance that it's absolutely worth checking out. Another A24 film, I should say, too. So, all right. Uh, for my honorable mentions, yeah, I have two overlaps. Rocket Man, same reasons, Julia. You kind of, yeah, synergy on that because I think that the, the way they're coming at this this musical biopic does feel right to Elton John because it's, it's quirky. It's different. It's unusual. And... I mean, look, we get a chance to hear Taryn Egerton sing some of the greatest songs ever written. 
uh, when Tiny Dancer happens, mm. I'm going to be waving my hands in the air, obviously. And <laughs> I just think I just think if anybody should have a musical biopic, it's Elton John. Because the story is so dynamic and interesting. And I hope to what you're saying, they they don't shy away from honesty because of that, like because he's involved, because obviously we've seen that happen before in some recent musical biopics, probably. Uh, regardless, <laughs> also involving Dexter Fletcher. <laughs> yes, Dexter Fletcher did direct this, but he directed the whole thing, right? And so he, this feels more of like a completed vision from him, right? But that said, I think I think what sold me on Rocket Man was the moment where you see him doing the t- cliché musical biopic yelling at Jamie Bell's character, then he comes back and apologizes and that's when I was like, okay. <laughs> I think we're in good hands. I think this could actually be very good because that's actually capturing Elton John but through the formula in a in a unique way. But that Rocket Man, I'm definitely looking forward to that. I think that comes out in June, I want to say, or May. Uh it's no, that's May ones, 31st. May 31st. We yeah. yeah. Again, going to be a crazy weekend. Well, with Ma Godzilla. Yeah. And then also, yes, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I already mentioned before, uh, definitely looking forward to another Tarantino. But then my, my third one, and I'm a little surprised nobody else put this, but John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. I, I really, really dig the first John, first two John Wick films. I think that that's a series that I hope is going to get better and better. And I hope they cap it at this, but Keanu Reeves is back. And I, I have a feeling this one's going to be just exactly what we need it to be, I guess, because the second one was so crazy and out of control. It ends on a cliffhanger. And of all the action films coming out, this one to me looks the most exciting. Like this one looks to me like the one that's going to really bring the thrills. So those are my honorable mentions. All right, that'll that'll do it for for our honorable mentions, our dark horses, all of that stuff. Let's let's go over really quick the notable releases that we didn't mention, starting with some of the films. Oh, and I should say the films that I've already seen. I have already seen Booksmart, which is wonderful. I hope you all see it. Late Night, the Emma Thompson and Mindy Kaling film. Uh, Mindy Kaling wrote it. Pretty good. Definitely worth checking out. That'll be coming out later in the summer. The Tomorrow Man with John Lithgow is really good, uh, with Blythe Danner is in it as well. And a film that I'm really, really hoping people see, I just watched this, The Farewell, uh, with Aquafina, and directed by Lulu Wong, who Lulu Wong, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say. I, this movie broke my heart in the best possible way. I hope everyone sees it. It's a family drama. It takes place in New York and China, and it's it's absolutely wonderful. And Will, you saw Longshot, right? That, that's another film we haven't yep. mentioned. Charlie Theron, Seth Rogen, kind of a political romantic comedy. Uh, are you? Do you recommend that one? Uh, well, I'm embargoed for some reason. Uh, okay. So uh, even though there are reviews out, I can't talk about it until the week it comes out. So um, yeah, I can't say much more. Okay, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But okay, back to the notable releases we didn't mention. The biggest ones, we none of us mentioned Spider-Man Far From Home. Although I was close. I, I am really looking forward to this new Spider-Man movie. It's just tough because Into the Spider-Verse just happened. And I'm a little nervous. Like I don't know if it could even come close to that level. But I'm good for more Spider-Man personally. And we did kind of briefly oh, mention yeah. The Lion King. Which I don't think anybody is really looking for. This just looks like another Beauty and the well, Beast to me. I think we should have put that in the films we've already seen, John. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, see I see what you did here. there. Yes, yes. Hobbs and Shaw, that's the latest Fast and Furious movie. It's kind of a spinoff with The Rock and Jason Statham. I, I mean, I don't think it looks very bad, but yeah, I'm not like, I don't, I don't think a lot of us are rushing to see it or spread the word, I guess. 
I I almost put this on my on my honorable mentions though. I've never seen a single Fast and Furious movie, but there's oh, wow. something about seeing Jason Statham and Dwayne Johnson just sort of try to out action each other is sort of enticing to me. And I love hearing Jason Statham say, I'm what you call a vodka problem. So <laughs> that's all I need, apparently. Uh, there's also I'm with the you, Sam. There's also Sorry. Dora and the Lost City of Gold. That's like the Dora and the Explorer movie. <laughs> Uh, Ugly Dolls, A Dog's Journey, Secret Life of Pets 2. There's a new Shaft movie, Child's Play, which I was a little surprised of all the spooky movies that didn't make anybody's list. I I thought at least one of you might put it in your honorable mentions, but yeah, that one. Mark Hamill does the voice, which has me interested. Uh, Annabelle Comes Ooh. Home, which I know, Will, you said you don't really like the Annabelle movies. I like Annabelle Creation, so I'm actually kind of looking forward to Annabelle Comes Home. Stuber, that's the Camille Nanjiani movie with Dave Bautista. That looks kind of funny. Uh, then there's Artemis Fowl, which is like the Disney August movie that has a really big budget. And this to me looks like the film that's going to flop big time. Like, I don't see this. <laughs> the book fans aren't excited about this movie. The trailer is well, incomprehensible. A- am I just being alarmist? What do you guys think? Well, I think this, why did they not make this like, 15 years ago when people were actually reading <laughs> Artemis Fowl books. Like, we're like jumping forward in that. time to your review, I guess. But yeah, that's, that's basically where I'm at. I, I've never read it. So I, I don't really know why fans aren't very excited about this, but I guess that might have something to do with it. Mm. But then yeah, Angry Birds 2. Awesome. Uh, the kitchen, which I, I want to see a trailer for That's the one that takes place in hell's kitchen and uh, Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish and, Oh, who's the third person? Is Elizabeth Banks or it's like an actor like in that kind of realm, I want to say. But Elizabeth that, Moss. Elizabeth Moss. I knew it wasn't Elizabeth. It's kind of like <laughs> a it's it probably sounds like a comedy because Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany Haddish, but apparently they, they play it kind of straight. And so I I'm vaguely interested in that. The Hustle, which is the Rebel Wilson and Hathaway movie, which I almost put this in the Dark Horse because I, I don't think it looks very good, but I could see it maybe surprise us. And then the last one, are any of you looking forward to them that follow? Another horror movie, right? I am not uh, sure what this is exactly. Which one is this? Oh, hasn't this been playing at a few festivals here and there? Yeah, it has this Olivia is... Coleman in it and Thomas yeah. Mann. Yeah, Caitlin Deaver heard... is in it and mm-hmm. Jim Gaffigan, Walton Goggins. Oh, I remember that you were talking about this one. Well, yeah, it was at Sundance. It, mm-hmm. it comes out June 21st uh, this summer and it has like fairly lukewarm reviews i want to see what more people are saying about it who may have seen it at a few festivals that might have hit before it goes out into release uh at the end of june um i don't know that much about it but i definitely look into it yeah all i know is it's about a uh it's like a cult in the appalachia mountains and like their cult involves like snake handling and it just looks like a really creepy kind of movie so i don't know i think it looks kind of interesting and i i really love caitlin deaver and Booksmart and Olivia Coleman uh, deserved that Oscar for the favorites. So <laughs> I'm like, the only big oh, yeah. question mark is that Britt Polden and Dan Madison Savage directed it. And this is their first time. So it's who knows? Who knows how they did? But all right, that's everything, I guess. Oh, last thing. Sorry. Uh, extremely wicked, shockingly vile, or shockingly evil and vile. The Zach Efron, mm. Ted Bundy movie. I don't, I have, a, I have a feeling I know why none of us are really looking forward to that. But <laughs> I mean, I think it looks all right. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sick of I mean, I'm not, like I'm not really like wild about seeing it, but I'm not like 
not looking forward to it. It's like right in the middle of my <laughs> summer list, I think. I'm, I'm also looking forward to Anna, but oh yeah, that somehow didn't make it in there. There's still yeah, we mentioned a lot of films this week. Obviously, there's plenty that we didn't. So many things are coming out. Probably going to be some push release dates here and there. A lot of ones that could definitely surprise us and hit our radars in the coming weeks. But thank you so much for listening to this entire thing. And we hope that you share some of our some of our picks. And it's I think it's going to be a pretty crazy summer. I think it's either going to be one of the better summers for movies we've had in a while, or it's going to be one of the worst. I don't know if I see any middle ground <laughs> there. But we're about to find out, I suppose. But all right, next week, we're talking Avengers Endgame. But until then, don't forget to go to cinemahawks.com. You can find all of our written reviews by everybody who's on the show right now. And uh, if you like our show, definitely leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, everywhere. And all of our social media, our email, all that stuff is in the show notes, along with our Patreon. Definitely give that a look when you get a chance. If you'd like to support us and see more of our stuff or connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. All right, from the internet, California, I am Jonah Gurney. From the internet, Pennsylvania, I'm Wash. From the internet, Colorado, I'm Sam Noland. From the internet, Pennsylvania, I am Julia Tady. See you next time. <laughs>